Well, thanks so much, Paul. That was awesome. I mean, those robes. That is, that's, we we got to get some of those around here, right? Maybe once in a while. I don't know. Just to, just to spruce things up a little bit. Uh, I don't, we got to do... We've got a new worship center, and maybe we can robes. You know, let's go with the worship center. I don't know. That sounds great. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Uh, it's really great to have all the mothers here with us today and also joining us uh, online as well. We're really, really grateful for you. So we're in the Joseph story in the book of Genesis. Two questions to begin with. Number one, how old are you? The question actually is in our text today. It is asked of Jacob in the text, and he answers the question. Here's another question. How has it been for you? How have the years treated you? However old you are, how have the years treated you? That question is not in our text today, but Jacob takes it upon himself to answer the question, nevertheless. And that second question gives us a window today through which we can evaluate our years and assess where we go from here. So the story of Joseph, as we have seen, is wrapped up in this larger story of Jacob, his father, and the larger story of Abraham, and which is wrapped up in the larger story of all the families of the earth. So today our focus turns to Jacob, who is Joseph's father. Now when we pick up the story, we see that uh, Jacob is moving his family from Canaan to Egypt. Canaan, where there was a famine, where there is no food, and he's moving to Egypt. He's moving this large uh, family to Egypt because Joseph, unbeknownst to him, has been living in Egypt all these years and has arranged for his family to come because he's, store, he's stored up grain in Egypt. Okay, so let's look at the uh, story. We're in Genesis chapter 46, beginning of verse 28. We're going to go all the way into chapter 47 today. So first of all, Genesis 46, verses 28 to 30. He, that is Jacob, had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph in Egypt to show the way before him in Goshen, that's a region of Egypt, and they came into the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, that's Jacob, his father in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. So this is quite a reunion because uh, Jacob has thought that Joseph has been dead for 22 years. He, and, and all of a sudden he's found out that he's alive again, and now he meets him once again. And of course, Joseph is his favorite son. And this word presented that's used in the text here is only used elsewhere in the book of Genesis of, of an appearance of God. So this obviously is not an appearance of God when these two men meet, but it's charged with the presence of God. And you might ask yourself, have you ever had a meeting with someone that seemed charged with the presence of God? And after this meeting, now Jacob says, I'm ready to die. Now, if you've been with us in the story, you, re you will remember that on several occasions, Jacob is worried that he's going to die in sorrow because of all the sorrows he's, he's seen in life and... Uh, and he's worried about losing more, and he says, God, if this, one more, if this one more thing happens to me, I'm going to die in sorrow. Now, he says, he's ready to die. Because he has seen his long-lost son, he's been reunited, reunited with him, he's now ready to die. It's almost as if he has his son back alive from the dead. That's what it seems like to Jacob, because he thought he was dead. He's, he's, he thinks he's been dead for 22 years, and now there's this incredible reunion. It's like a resurrection. 
And of course, it's, it's the resurrection of the greater Joseph, who is Jesus Christ, who liberates us and makes us ready to die. If you know Jesus, then you have to be ready to die, which means you are really ready to live. If you're ready to die, that means you're ready to live because you don't have to fear death anymore. And that's one of the things that Jesus does for us. He takes away the fear of death so that we can truly live without the fear of death. We can be ready to die and also ready to live. Now, in the last year, the pandemic has raised the specter of death for many of us. And uh, it's, it's very easy to just go around and listen to people and read things and, and just think that, oh man, the worst thing that could happen is death. The worst thing that could happen is suffering and death. But that's not the case. We are liberated from the fear of death. If we know Jesus who has been raised from the dead, then we too will be raised from the dead and we do not need to fear death. The worst thing that can happen to someone is not death. The worst thing that can happen to someone is not knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're free. So now, Joseph in Egypt knows where the best land is, and he works with Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt, and he, he arranges then for his family to be settled in Goshen, which is also called Ramses, which is the best of the land in Egypt. So here is this family starving to death in Canaan, and they are relocated to Egypt where there's food, and they go to the best of the land in Egypt. Joseph has pulled off something that's really great for his family. So Jacob now is going to meet Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt. We're going to pick up the story in chapter 47, verse 7. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of the years of your life? How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. So twice it says that Jacob blesses Pharaoh. And this is what the, the family of Abraham is supposed to do. It's supposed to bless all the families of the earth. And this is what Jacob does. He blesses him which probably includes also a prayer for him. And then Pharaoh asks him a question, a very straightforward question, how old are you? And Jacob answers the question, 130. But then he says, few and evil have been my days. So he answers another question, which is, how, how have the days been for you? How, you, know, you, you? You've lived this many, these many years, but how have the years treated you? And he has a certain assessment of the way that the years have treated him. He's, first of all, he thinks he's lived a, a few number of years, 130. That sounds pretty good to me. And actually, it's not bad in those days either. True, his, uh, his father and his grandfather lived to be a little longer than he did. But Joseph only lived to be 110. So 130 doesn't actually seem so bad. But his assessment of those years is quite fascinating. They've been evil. They've been difficult. They've been most unpleasant. And it's true, he's had a lot of struggles in his life, but he's brought on, brought on a lot of those struggles he's brought on himself because of the things that, he's do, uh, things that he's done and the way that he's treated people. So how, how have the years been? I mean, 
aren't we always sort of answering that question in one way or another in the back of our minds? How, how am I doing? You know, people ask you all the time, how are you? And of course, you say fine, but I think we're always thinking, how, how am I doing? And every once in a while, you reflect upon the years and how have I lived my life? How, how have the years treated me? How has God treated me? How, is it, how has it gone for me? How have I done? Have I done good enough or, have I, uh, or not? Has it been pleasant? Has it been hard? I think we're always answering that question. Well, the interesting thing about Jacob is he has gotten most of what he has wanted in life. However, he has gotten it in the wrong sort of way so that he is dissatisfied in the end. Scholar Robert Alter puts it this way. From his clashing with his twin in the womb, everything has been a struggle. He displaces Esau, that's his brother, but only at the price of fear and lingering guilt and long exile. He gets Rachel, but only by having Leah imposed on him. With all the domestic strife that entails, and he loses Rachel early in childbirth. He is given a new name by his divine adversary, that's Israel, but comes away with a permanent wound. He gets the full solar year number of 12 sons, but there is enmity among them for which he bears some responsibility. And he spends 22 years continually grieving over his favorite son, who he believes is dead. This is, in sum, a story with a happy ending that withholds a simple feeling of happiness at the end. Well, let's make sure, of course, that uh, we're, we're not so obsessed with getting what we want that we go about getting it in the wrong way, the way Jacob did. And of course, much of what happened to Jacob, Jacob brought on himself. Nevertheless, despite Jacob, despite his manipulative, conniving ways, despite his favoritism, despite all his flaws and failures, the Lord has blessed him. And the Lord has blessed him in many ways. The Lord has blessed him so that he can be a blessing. He can give a blessing to Pharaoh. And the text emphasizes it by saying he blesses Pharaoh. He blesses him once, but the text says twice that he blessed him to emphasize the fact that he blessed Pharaoh. Verse 11. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. So Jacob says, I'm ready to die. But you know what? He has 17 more years to live and more blessings to hand out. So I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, I look out here and I know online, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of different, there's an age range here, let's put it this way. So are you, are, you, are you ready to die? If you know Jesus, you should be ready to die, but you should also be ready to live. But one thing is true of everyone who is here and, and of everyone who is watching online, and that's this, you're not dead yet, <laughs> you're still alive. God has given you another moment, maybe another day, maybe another 17 years for some of you, who knows how many years, but you're not dead yet, you're alive, you have the presence of the Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you have the presence of the Spirit in you to make you alive, to be a blessing today, somehow, some way to other people. If only you could just pray for someone, you can be a blessing, you can be alive today. God has given you another day.
So the unasked question in our text today is, how have the years treated you? What's Jacob's assessment? Few and evil have been the years. Is that true? Have they really been evil? Have all of the years for Jacob been evil? Now, I know Jacob better than I know any other person in the Hebrew Scriptures. I have studied this man. Um, I've translated from the Hebrew into the English his story. I've preached here years ago the Jacob story. I take my men's groups through the Jacob story uh, on a regular basis. It has everything. So I know Jacob better than I know anyone else in the Hebrew Scriptures. And at this point in Jacob's life, when he's 130 years old, I want to have a little sit-down with my friend, with my old friend, with my very old friend. And I want to tell him a few things. I want to say, Jacob, I know the years have been hard, but evil, have the years been evil? Have all of the years been evil? Has, has every day of your life been evil? All the days of the years of the sojournings that you have had? Has everything been that hard and that difficult? Think, think of this family that you have. Okay, let's, let's, start with, let's start with Joseph. Okay, You thought that he was dead. You thought you lost him. You grieved his loss. You continued to grieve his loss for 22 years. And then you ha now discover... He's alive from the dead. You have him back again. What a gift that is. And look at all that Joseph has done for you. And how about, how about Simeon? You thought that you lost him too, but you got him back also. And how about Benjamin? You were terrified that you were going to lose Benjamin, but you didn't lose him, did you? And how about Judah, this son that you didn't even treat as a son? Do you see what he has done for you? He has sacrificed so much for you. And the family, he's offered his life for you. This is the son that you treated as if he, he weren't even a son at all. And you want to tell me that all your years have been hard? All your years have been evil? Look at this family you have. And look at their, their, their wives and their, and their sons and their grandchildren and, and their, their daughters I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a clan of 70 people, Jacob. It seems to me you might be just a little bit blessed. And this is all despite the favoritism that you have shown within this family. You've kind of almost done your best to destroy the family, and here it is. And weren't you just starving in Canaan? And now your son Joseph has arranged for you to move to Egypt where there's plenty of food? For you and the, and the entire family, evil, the days are evil, all of them. And yeah, Jacob, I know that you've had your conflicts. You've had your conflicts with Esau. You've had your conflicts with Laban. You've had all sorts of conflicts in life. You've had it, all these conflicts. I know they mirror your conflict with the Lord. But has the Lord met you in these conflicts? Has he formed you in these conflicts? Indeed, he has. I would suggest to you that the Lord has formed you and shaped you for himself in the middle of all of these conflicts that you have had. And remember, remember that time in Luz, that, 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 that pagan border city in the middle of nowhere, just that God-forsaken pagan 
border town, lose. You were running from Jacob because you stole the blessing. You're running from Esau because you stole the blessing. Esau wanted to kill you. And this was a really hard place. I know that was a hard place, but you, you, you took a rock and you used it for a pillow. No one would take you in. But do you remember what happened that night? You went to bed and you had this dream and the angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder and heaven opened up to you and the Lord made promises to you then to be with you and to keep you. That's what the Lord said to you in that dream. I will be with you and I will keep you wherever you go. Do you remember that, Jacob? That was an amazing encounter with the Lord. And how about 20 years later? You're finally extricated from Laban, and you're going back to meet Esau, and, uh, but you know that you have to have this meeting with God before you go back to meet Esau, and, you, and, and on the banks of the river Jabbok, you, you wrestled with this man all night long. But then you realized in the daytime it wasn't actually a man, it was the Lord himself. And you should have been destroyed by this encounter. For all that you've done in your life, Jacob, the Lord just should have wiped you out. No man sees my face and lives, especially you, Jacob. You should be a dead man. And what did you say? I have seen the Lord face to face, and yet I have not been destroyed. I have been spared. Yeah, I, I, I know you were wounded there. You're, you were wounded in the hip. That's what the Lord did to you. The grace and the mercy of, and the humility of God, he wrestled you just to a tie. It was, it was an even match, but he, he injured you in the hip. And I know you were wounded, but, but with that wound, haven't you been reminded with every halting step in your life that you need to depend on the Lord? Oh, the grace of God to wound you in the hip, to show you that you need to depend on him. And you limped into this encounter with Esau, vulnerable and necessarily humble. And the Lord blessed you there on the banks of the river Jabbok in the place that you were wounded, and he gave you a new name, Israel. Do you know what that name means, Jacob? Israel. Do you know what came from you? Israel, the nation of Israel. Do you know what came from you? The wounded Messiah of Israel who would be the savior of the world. And how about when you finally did encounter Esau again? You thought he was going to kill you. You couldn't defend yourself. You were limping. And what did he do? You deserved to die again. He embraced you. The embrace that you wanted from your father, but you never got, came instead from your brother Esau, who you abused. Oh, the grace. Oh, the grace of God. Jacob, can you see? Can you see? You've been blessed. I realize that I've, as I've been talking to Jacob, I've also been talking to myself because I see myself in Jacob. Maybe you also see yourself in Jacob. And I realize that, yeah, I've had some hard years, but even in those hard years, I've been blessed. How about you? How have the years treated you? How do you see the years? Have you had some hard years? Have they, have they all been hard? 
Has every single day of your life been hard? Have there been any good ones in there? How about family? Do you have, do you have any family to speak of? Uh, maybe you've had some conflicts, but if you have family to speak of, that, that's a blessing, that's a gift. Even if you've got some difficult brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or whatever, do you have any family? Do you have any, do you have any friends? Do you, have one, do you have one friend? Do you have any food to eat today? That's, that's pretty good if you've got food to eat. A lot of people don't have food to eat. Have you had food to eat your whole life? Jacob almost starved to death, and then he was given food. Do you have food to eat? Have you had any conflicts in life? Probably. Maybe with family, maybe with friends, coworkers, roommates, whatever. But take a look. Has the Lord formed you and shaped you through those conflicts? If life were just this easy, breezy road, you would never see a need for the Lord, would you? But in those conflicts, you've seen a need for the Lord, and He's formed you and shaped you for Himself in the middle of those conflicts. Has the Lord appeared to you in any way? Have you had any encounters with Him? Maybe these have been obvious encounters or maybe not so obvious. There's epiphanies or, or something that happens. You read a scripture or you're going for a walk or you're going on a retreat or out, out of the middle of nowhere some blinding insight strikes you. Have you had any encounters with the Lord? Have you heard His promises to you in the scriptures? Promises such as to be with you and to keep you wherever you go. If you believe in Jesus, no matter how hard your years have been, the Lord has been with you, and the Lord has kept you, and the Lord will keep you. Have you had any brushes with death? You probably don't know how many times you have come close to dying. Who knows how many times in the last year you have come this close to catching a certain virus and even dying from that virus? Have you been wounded in any way? Probably. Maybe physically, probably emotionally also. But have those wounds reminded you, perhaps with every halting step, that you need to depend on the Lord, and that that is what you need most of all, is the Lord. Now, here's the big one. Do you believe in Jesus? Is He your Lord and Savior? If you believe in Jesus, then you are part of the wounded people of God. And your destiny is to reign with Jesus forever. And may I ask you, if you do not yet believe in Jesus, put your trust in Him, invite Him into your heart, and indeed, your days will be blessed in ways that you can't begin to imagine. Have you wanted something from someone, and that person just, for whatever reason, wasn't able to give it to you? Have you wanted maybe an embrace or something like that from someone? But it didn't come from that person. Maybe it came from someone else. You were looking over here. You were obsessed with this thing over here. 
but somehow you got redirected to realize that, oh, this is where the embrace is coming from. The grace, oh, the grace. Can you see, can you see that your years, no matter how difficult they have been, have been blessed, that God has blessed you in your years? And of course, we have that great verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been blessed, if we believe in Jesus, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that is the unseen places in Christ Jesus. So, you've been blessed. Can you see that? Now, to the degree that we understand that we are blessed, what then do we do now? It's very simple. You do what Jacob did. You bless someone. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. It's emphasized in our text, bless someone. Now, of course, today, you've got to bless the mothers. One way or another, you've got to bless the mothers in your life. But also, think about just maybe one other person that you could be a blessing to this week. Just think about one person. What could you do for that person to encourage that person in some way? A call, a note, a text, a service project? Is there one thing that you could do for one person this week in order to bless someone? See, see, we've been blessed, so we bless others. This is the oldest spiritual dynamic in the book. When God meets Abraham and calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, God blesses Abraham in order that he might be a blessing. Not that he might hoard the blessing, but that he might give out the blessing. And this is what Jacob is doing. And this is a meaningful life for Jacob, by the way. If you're able to bless others, that is a meaningful life. That is a satisfying life. Jacob is able to do it despite all of his struggles and despite what I think to be his perception problems. And uh, John echoes this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. We love, why? Because he, that is Jesus, first loved us. So there's something that happens when you understand that you're blessed, something that happens in your heart. There's some sort of spiritual dynamic that turns you outward. So even, even people who don't even believe in Jesus sort of understand this. Years ago, I, was, I attended the Tech Awards. Karen and I were invited to attend the Tech Awards, and Bill Gates was given the annual humani Global Humanitarian Award, so he gives this little speech at the end. And at the end of his speech, He's encouraging all of these tech luminaries to give to humanitarian causes with these words. We've been blessed. Now, I don't know that Bill Gates has any faith to speak of, but he's tapping into this biblical dynamic. We've been blessed, so we bless others. And isn't this what Jesus says in John chapter 7? He says, if anyone is thirsty, spiritually thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So that which flows into you, the living water of Jesus' love, creates some sort of change within you, so that which flows into you then flows out of you. 
So there's a, there's a researcher by the name of uh, Jonathan Haidt, I think it is, and he tells this story from some of his research about a, uh, a particular group that from a church that volunteered with the Salvation Army on one particular winter day. And this group from the, uh, from the church was driving back, back to the church, and uh, they noticed on the side of the road on this wintry day, this uh, old woman shoveling snow in her driveway. Now, one of the guys asked to be dropped off at the next intersection, so they dropped him off at the next intersection. They assumed that he was going home. Instead, he backtracked, and he took the shovel out of the old woman's hand and started shoveling the snow off her driveway. A woman in the car observing this said this, I felt like jumping out of the car and hugging this guy. I felt like singing and running and skipping and laughing, just being active. I felt like saying nice things about people, writing a beautiful poem or love song, playing in the snow like a child, telling everybody about this deed. My spirit was lifted even higher than it already was. I was joyous, happy, smiling, energized. I went home and gushed to my sweet mates who clutched their hearts. It's a very simple, beautiful, inspiring story. It's the kind of thing that all of us can do. If you understand you're blessed, bless someone else. If you want to feel better about yourself, bless someone else. What makes for a good life? If you live your life for the sake of others, that's a good life. To live for yourself and yourself only is to little by little die. To live for other people because Jesus loves you is to little by little come alive. And anyone can do it. Anyone, no matter how hard your life, no matter all of the difficult things that have happened to you, regardless of all of that, anyone can live this kind of life for the sake of others to bring blessing to other people. Anyone. That is, anyone who really wants to can hear the words of Jesus at the end of their lives. Well done, good and faithful servant. God has blessed us, my friend. Let us be a blessing to others. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you have showered us with blessings, and we are only perceiving just a fraction of that. Would you open our minds and our hearts to see how you have blessed us in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places and in so many other ways so that we would be transformed into being a blessing for other people. In Jesus' name, amen.